Let's open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2. As I said, there are only so many passages that we deal with uh, at Christmas time. Uh, odds are you're going to know this one as well. Luke chapter 2, this is the announcement by the angels to the shepherds of the birth of Christ. And we'll be looking at verses 8 through 14. So if you're able, would you stand with me as we prepare to read the word of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to open our eyes by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding, words which are so familiar to us. Help us to see what they call us to do, how they call us to live, how we might be gracious in the same way that you have been gracious to us, how we might declare the truth, both with our words and our deeds. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Now, I was just informed this morning, and, and this is God's providence, that this weekend is the celebration of Charles Schultz's 100th birthday. Okay, now I'm a big Peanuts fan, and, and, um, and I, you know, I grew up like many of you did. We watched the Halloween and waiting for the great pumpkin to arise out of the, the sincere pumpkin patch that Linus had planted, because out of his sincerity, he was confident that the great pumpkin would arrive and and he would be there, and he talked Sally into hanging out with him late into Halloween. And, of course, she missed all the parties and trick-or-treating. And she's, she demands restitution because she's been cheated. And the only thing that rises out of that is uh, uh, Snoopy to scare him. Uh, uh, so, I, I, you know, Halloween, the Great Pumpkin, the Thanksgiving special, the Valentine's Day special, and, of course, the Christmas special where everybody's looking for a good tree and Charlie Brown, you know, and he gets that pitiful little tree. Now, Charles Schultz was, was a pretty good believer, and he incorporated a lot of the gospel into his comics. In fact, I have a book in my library, which is actually signed by Schultz, uh, The Gospel According to Peanuts. And it lays out uh, all, the, all the, the, uh, the comics that he incorporates the gospel in and, and talks a little bit about what he was trying to do at, at those times. And, and here we have uh, the Christmas special, and Charlie Brown's looking at that little pitiful tree, and he says, well, I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked that little tree. Everything I do turns to a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And Linus tells Charlie Brown, well, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what it's all about. And if you've seen the special, 
It's that all the lights go down and, and Linus seems to be there by himself and the lights come up. He says, lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day, in the city of David, a Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And Linus picks up his blanket, and he leaves center stage. In other places, Charlie Brown asks kind of the same types of questions. And Linus regularly gives him quotes from Scripture. And Charlie Brown says, Linus, I'm paraphrasing that gives me great comfort and and um, puts my mind at ease and Linus says on many occasions sound theology has a way of doing that okay just little kids you know we're here today to look at the angel in particular and the adoration adoration is veneration it is to look on longingly uh, it is to worship and we're going to spend the advent season looking and adoring the Christ child, from various perspectives. Today is the angels. We're going to look at the eyes of the shepherd, Mary. We're going to look at those he came to save, and of course, the wise men in January. The child we adore left his father's throne, took on the form of a man, 100% human, 100% divine. Now, our minds, our human minds, cannot really compute that. We can say those things and agree that, yes, that is true. That's the incarnate Son of God, born in a manger, born of a virgin, 100% God and 100% man. But that's the way that he was. From the foundation of the world, from before the foundation of the world, it was the plan, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that the Father would send his Son. The Son would be born in the same way that we are, He would give his life to atone for our sin. The Holy Spirit would come and empower those who were saved to do the works that the Lord had prepared beforehand for us to do. And then the Son would come back to claim those that he gave his life to save. So that, in a nutshell, is all of history. It just happens to be all of his story as well. In fact, whether anyone believes it or not, nothing can change the Father's will. Once he has said it, once he has set his mind to his perfect plan, it will come about. So with the angels today and the shepherds and Mary and the wise men, we'll adore this babe born in Bethlehem, maker of Mary, now Mary's son, the one who was born to die, who gave his life for the likes of us. Now I already told you, but I'm just going to remind you, and you're probably going to hear it again, Christmas is on Sunday this year, okay? As it should be, so get ready for that, get ready for that. So this morning, we're going to begin by looking at the angels, and really, the angels are very involved in the work of the Lord. They were involved in the giving of the Mosaic Law. They've been, they continue to be involved in the care of believers. In fact, Hebrews says that believers should be aware that we might uh, might entertain angels unaware. Okay, that we might have given aid 
It looked like somebody who was in terrible need, and we helped them out. We went way beyond ourselves and helped them out, and we never saw them again. May have been an angel. We just don't know. But Hebrews says, be ready for that. Angels are at work at the end times. They'll be a major factor in God's final judgment. In the Gospel of Matthew, angels will be the reapers and the gatherers of all the people at the end in judgment, as well as gathering the elect in to the kingdom. We see angels in Scripture fighting demons. We see in judgment. Uh, we see them in particular bringing the message from God that he has sent them to give. And in fact, the term angelus in the Greek means one who brings a message. Now, it refers both to the human messengers as well as angelic messengers. It's only used for, for angelic messengers in Scripture. Um, but it is the chief task of these angels to bring a message from the Lord. And here in, in the birth narratives, we see Gabriel visits Zechariah. He visits Mary to announce the birth of John the Baptist and then of Jesus in Luke chapter 1. Gabriel is this, this special, in a sense, a special emissary who has stood in the presence of our Heavenly Father and received a message to go and to deliver it to the likes of us. So to receive a visit from an angel was a unique experience. And that, why, that explains Zechariah's fear. Remember, he, he, was, he was so afraid in, in chapter 1 of Luke. And it was a very rare thing. It hardly ever happened in Scripture. Only at very important salvific times do we see the Lord send his angelic messengers to communicate with us. So when it comes to the announcement of the birth of Christ, other than the work of the Holy Spirit, angels play perhaps the biggest role. I, I mean, I know there's Mary and, and carrying Jesus, but in, in bringing the message, it is the angels. Matthew tells us it was an angel who brought the announcement to Joseph. Luke tells us it was the an angel who brought the announcement to Mary, and the host of angels bring the announcement to the shepherds, to the shepherds, and we'll look at that next week and, and the shepherds so think of all the hymns that we sing uh, that deal with angels and they're bringing the announcement and their work uh, in, in in announcing the birth of christ angels from the realms of glory i'm not gonna sing all of them to you um, came upon a midnight clear angels we have heard on high the first noel while shepherds watch their flock i could i just can't remember that tune um Hark the herald angels sing. I mean, it was full of angels announcing the things of the birth and the coming of Christ. They have a lot to say about Christmas. And we see the significance principally from angels. So what makes them such a reliable source? Well, as I said, they've been in the presence of our Heavenly Father. He has given them a message to deliver to us. They came from the presence of our Heavenly Father. They came then to us, and they announced the birth of Christ in the same way, this is humanly speaking, in the same way that the Caesars would announce the births of their children, okay? Singing glorious things like that. So here's the announcement. Good news of great joy. Behold, I bring to you, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So who needs good news of great joy right now? Anybody 
What did Megan sing? Anybody. All you unfaithful, all you weak and unstable, all you barren and waiting, those who are weary of praying, you who are bitter, broken, those who have fears unspoken. That's the good news of Christ, that he has come to bring healing in our hearts for that. Those who are weary of praying, I've been on my knees time and time again, Lord, but I just don't think you're listening to me. And he says, continue on your knees. I hear you. It's not your time yet. Do you know anybody like that in need of that type of care? To some degree, it's all of us here. It's all of us. Matthew, in his genealogy, gives us this long list of the ancestors of Jesus. You want to talk about weak and unstable people. I'm just going to highlight a couple for you in the line of Jesus. Judah, he was the one who convinced his brothers to sell his youngest brother Joseph into slavery. Scripture says that he was conniving and promiscuous. In the line of Jesus, we have Tamar, the Canaanite daughter-in-law of Judah. Judah was cheating her out of uh, what was right for her to marry the, the next son. So she pretended to be a prostitute and enticed Judah and had twins by Judah. Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute who believed in the God of Abraham. Joshua saved her at Jericho. Ruth, the Moabite widow from the line of Lot. Okay, from the line of Lot. Remember, the only reason the line of Lot continued is because of his daughters, so an incestuous relationship. David, who became the father of Solomon, committed adultery and murder, who later in life presided over the collapse of, of, of the, his, his, his uh, throne and authority as, as his son uh, took over and, and, and the disintegration of his family. So when we see the, 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 the genealogy that's laid out for us in Matthew, we see a long list of people just like us imperfect okay weak broken i mean if god wanted perfect people he wouldn't have chosen the likes of us would he no he would not have but god used those people the swindlers the prostitutes the adulterers the murderers the exiles all fallible all those people were fallible but yet god chose them okay he didn't make them perfect but yet he chose them to bring about his perfect will and his perfect son. So even in the line of Jesus, there were what scripture says, not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. Sounds like us, okay? Sounds like us. But that's the point of the angel's birth announcement. It is to sinners such as these, it is to sinners such as us, that it's good news of great joy. So who understands this good news? Well, only those who know they have a problem. Okay, if you don't know you need good news, then you're not going to listen to the good news. If you don't hear that that is for you because your heart is in need of it, then you simply just won't understand it. Well, who needs this good news? Well, I'll, I'll start the circle here as, with me. Okay, you can enlarge it to yourself as you understand it. It is the good news of great joy, and it is to all the people. Now, the angels are not universalists. Not everybody is being saved, okay? 
Those who repent of their sin, those who confess with their mouth and believe with their heart that Jesus is Lord, they are saved. With a birth announcement, the angels are saying that the, that the Lord doesn't show partiality. You know, the Lord in his wisdom did not look down at me in 1977, yeah, 1977, 15-year-old, and say, you know what? Jenkins has a lot of potential. I think I'm going to save him because if I look down the road, he's going to actually make something of himself. So I think he's worthy. That's not the way that it works. Okay, The Lord saves us while we are still in our sin. He is not, he shows no partiality. He doesn't look and go, oh yeah, I like that guy. I think he's got potential. I'm going to save him. He doesn't do that. He says, these people are mine. And where do they come from? Every tribe, tongue, and nation. People don't look like us. People don't sound like us. People from the wrong side of the tracks as humans uh, view it. God is not partial. He doesn't doesn't care about social categories that, that are so often important to humans. He saves all sorts of people. He saves the nobodies as well as the somebodies. He saves the poor and the rich. He saves male and female. He saves Jew and Gentile. He saves the communists. He saves the capitalists. He saves the Democrat. He saves the Republican. He saves those in Africa, in Europe, in Asia, in America, in Siberia. It's good news of great joy because we weren't going to save ourselves. There was no way that we could make ourselves right before our Heavenly Father. So the angels are telling us, When it comes to saving sinners, God doesn't care about your nationality, your language, your status, your race, or any other man-made distinction. It is God's unmerited favor. Say, well, you don't know what I've done, Rand. If you knew what I had done in my life already, you would say, well, there's no way God's going to save you. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Each of us could look at ourselves. No, no, Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. Okay, I'm unworthy. There's no reason why God would save me. And if you think that you are worthy of salvation, then you've got a problem with pride and you're not worthy of salvation. Okay, that's just the way that it works. In humility, we understand and receive God's love. You remember what Dan talked about a couple weeks ago? Because he had Jonah. Okay, he had the book of Jonah. I only had two weeks for Jonah. Uh, Really, he needed eight or ten to cover Jonah. But Jonah was very displeased with the concept of God's impartiality because he sends him to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were particularly nasty people. Okay, If, you were, um, if the Assyrians beat you in a war, uh, they would take all those that they could not use as slaves and they would skin them alive. That was one of the trademarks of the Assyrians. Now, Nineveh was the largest capital at that time, and Jonah goes reluctantly, and he delivers the message that God told him to. And then he walks off and hides under the bush and says, Lord, take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. I, I can't believe that you would save them, that they're not even worthy of your gospel, and yet you told me to give it to them. And what really angered him is they believed it. The gospel is the good news of great joy for all people. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or all the earth. It's great joy. 
this news. It comes to people in bondage to their sin. Regardless of any other social category, sin is the issue. We find the remedy for sin in the child born in Bethlehem. Notice the titles that the angels use. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Christ, the anointed one of God. The Lord, God with us. The one foretold from Isaiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So when the angels announce the coming of the birth of Christ, they're announcing that there's hope for the likes of us, those in desperate need of salvation, of the forgiveness of our sins. Because somebody greater than all those Old Testament heroes, Moses and Abraham, Joshua, David, Solomon, somebody greater has come, and his name is Jesus. What is great joy? Well, it's more than your average joy, okay? But think of the angels. And I'll make some assumptions here, okay, in the angelic world, because we don't know for sure. Their joy is not in their salvation because they don't get salvation. Their joy is in our salvation, the message of salvation for us. It's a joy that they have been waiting. It's a message of joy that they have been waiting to deliver. Now, remember, they were there at creation. They saw in the garden, there's Adam and Eve and life is great. And then they saw the fall. And and angels probably not, not... knowing all of God's plans, probably scratched their head, and how could those stupid people do that? They had everything that they needed. And then they saw the inability to keep the law and how the law was never going to save them, and they waited for generations and generations. And then the Lord looks at them and says, go now and proclaim the news of the coming of the Messiah. And the angels, you know, let's put it in the human terms, the angels are like, yeah, now's the time. Who are we going to tell? What king are we going to tell? Go tell some shepherds in a field. Okay, if, you, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you go to, on a trip and you go to Bethlehem, you can look at some of those fields and just see them out there, watching their sheep at night. Some of those things haven't changed for generations, for, for 2,000 years. But just think of the joy that they held as they get to bring the message of the good news of the coming of Christ. It was the angel's joy to announce it. It was for the joy set before him that Christ went to the cross. It is our joy to be the recipients of this great salvation. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today and, and we know the angels are your created beings, but they bring this great message, this great message of joy that we hold in our hearts and we are to live and to proclaim that the people around us in the world around us are to see this in our lives, are to hear it from our mouths, to know that it is a message of joy that it is not a great burden to receive salvation from you, but it is a joy to receive it undeservedly then to have a chance to share it. So Lord, we pray as we move on in, in the Advent season 
that we would have opportunities to share, opportunities to invite people into this celebration of the joy of the coming of Christ, that they might, perhaps for the first time, perhaps for the hundredth time, hear the message of the birth of Christ, that your Holy Spirit would move in their life, that their eyes would be open and their hearts changed by this child born in a manger in Bethlehem. And it is in his name that we pray.